0: Assalamu salamu This is Yasmin Mujahid, and you're listening to Serenity, streaming live on One Legacy Radio. Uh, today we're going to be doing something a little bit different. Um, we want to start, inshallah, opening up the lines and hearing from you, uh, sharing your experiences, sharing your own reflections, uh, and, and, and also asking your questions so that this, inshallah, becomes like a discussion. And today's topic is a topic that a lot of people have contacted me a lot of people have asked you know questions that relate to this topic and it's the topic of transformation uh it's 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 uh for those people and you know a lot of us uh reach this level where we we want to make a change in fact there are things that we wish that we could be and things that we wish that we could do differently uh but it feels like it's such a, a difficult thing to do. It, it seems like such a long road and it feels uh, like this far off, you know, this far off place that we can't reach. And just the idea of how to get there, how do I get from where I'm at right now to where I want to be? And that's basically the question that we're going to be discussing today. And inshallah, a little bit later in the show, I'm going to open up the, the phone lines and I want to hear from you guys. Um, so inshallah, stay tuned for that. Uh, basically, what I want to give uh, today is a combination of uh, theory, a combination of um, you know the understanding the idea of change and the idea of transformation, um, along with specific action action items that we can do in order to really transform ourselves and our lives. Now to begin with, uh, the very first step, in any kind of transformation, in any kind of change, has to be internally with your intention. So a lot of people actually uh, have part of this down, where internally they have a wish almost. And it's it's a wish to be better. It's a wish to change their life. It's a wish to turn things around, uh, to get closer to Allah. You know, inside there is this desire to be to be better and to be more devoted to the Dean. Uh, and yet there is no, uh, it it hasn't been actualized. And so the question is how do we move from that wish to actualization of that wish? So the beginning at the beginning, it has to be there. It begins with an intention. And what I mean here is a firm, uh, truthfulness of the heart where you say to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you want to change, that you want to be better, that you want to get closer to Him. Now that's really where it begins because here is where you see the difference in outcome. That the one who has that really um, sincere a decision basically it's a it's a it's a movement of the heart this is before the actual you know actions come but just internally that you see the person who really makes uh their heart is truthful has sitq is is truthful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of wanting to change and is sincere in that and you will find that if we do have that that you will, f- that you will see that transformation happen and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make it easy for you if you start with that sincere intention. So the beginning step is that intention, is that truthfulness with Allah. And I would say even turning it into an action where you make dua. So you begin with a dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you, um, that He helps you to make this change in your life, that He Enables you to turn away from the things that you're, the sins that you're committing. So if you're living, you know, living a certain type of life right now, there's, there are sins that you're living and there are habits that you have and you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, to make it easy for you to leave those sins, to break off with those things that you're doing that are displeasing to Him. So you start with that. You start with that dua and then I actually would say that you take it even a little bit, uh, another step, because what happens is we sometimes have, um, like these, sort of bursts um internal bursts of motivation and we say you know what i really want to get i really want to change my life i really want to come back to allah and then we don't act on them so what happens is um after a little while it goes away and we go back into our normal routine and our normal heedlessness and our normal circle of friends in our life right and so the key is that you have to act upon that burst that that burst of motivation at the moment that it that you that you're in it that you have it so when you feel so you feel that sincerity and you feel that truthfulness that you want to change and then you make that dua to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then you make an action You, you you somehow act on that so the first thing that i that i i mean personally what i did when i was Um, Going through that point in my life where I wanted to make a change, where I wanted to devote my life to trying to be better um, and, and taking a different path than the path that I had taken. And what I actually did, because I was personally, I was afraid that, um, that that moment of, you know, like, spiritual high or Iman rush, um, would pass and then I wouldn't make the change that I, that I hoped to make at that moment. So what I did is I tried to sort of trick myself into having to do it, um, by making a promise. And you know how, you know, you can make a promise to a person, uh, and you know, it's like, it's a little bit easy to, to break that promise. But what I did, um, to sort of, sort of force myself or to, to kind of, trick my nafs in a way is I made a promise to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I would do um, there were certain things that I made a promise that I would do and certain things that I made a promise that I would stop doing and um, by doing that I was trying to keep myself uh, so that if I go back uh, to my, you know, my regular routine that I would remember, even if I wanted to, you know, slip back into my old habits that I would remember that I had made a promise to Allah and you can't break a promise that you make to Allah. It's a lot harder. Um, so because of that, uh, you make that promise and then you feel like now, um, you need to stick to it. And in fact, that's exactly what happened for me personally. Uh, so I made that promise and, um, you know, that promise might be, and each person is different. Everyone knows what it is in their life that they need to change. And for some people, it might be a promise uh, to never miss another prayer. Maybe someone is struggling with salah, that they're not praying regularly, and this is this is actually a major sin to be not praying regularly and on time. So maybe their promise to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be that they will never miss another prayer and that salah will always be a priority in their life. And for other people, maybe that promise will be that they're gonna start wearing hijab, or maybe if they have taken off the hijab, they'll put it back on, and that they're going to inshallah, and they ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make it easy for them to put it back on. Um, or to put it on for the first time and to stick with it, inshallah. For other people, uh, it might be a promise that if they're in a haram relationship, that they're going to break off that haram relationship. And these are all, you know, when we get into the realm of these things, these are sacrifices. And we know from the Prophet ﷺ that any time we sacrifice for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whatever it is that we sacrificed, Allah will replace it with something better. And we have to know that with firm faith that when we do give up something for the sake of Allah, this is not taken lightly by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we need to remember that, you know, for example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the, in the Quran says that, um, that you will never reach piety, you will never reach righteousness. Uh, which means that you won't reach birr and and this righteousness this piety this goodness until you're able to give from that which you love so here it's it's not i mean if you're just giving from something you don't really care about if you're sacrificing from something you don't really you're not really attached to or you don't you know it's not it's not hard then it's not really a sacrifice. And in fact, it's not really, um, it's not elevating and purifying you in the same way that if it's something that you really love and something that you really want. And in, when you give up something that you really love or something that you really want for the sake of Allah, the result of that is something amazing. I mean, that result is, is, um, is so much higher. And, and if you think of even the example of, of fasting, Uh, the example of fasting is exactly that. Because in when when we fast, what we're doing is we're giving up what we love. We're giving up food, we're giving up drink, we're giving up intimacy. These are all things that we love and in fact things that we need, that our body needs. And yet we choose to give up those things for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you look at the reward for fasting, you see that it's unlike the reward for other acts of worship. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that for fasting, He rewards for it in in a very special way, unlike other acts of worship. When you think of other acts of worship, you know, there's some share, um, for the, for the, you know, for the person. Maybe it feels good or maybe they enjoy it. But with the fast, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the reward is from me, that I will reward the fast, you know, that He says that other acts of worship are for the, for the worshiper, but the fast is for me and I will, and I will reward for it. And when you look at even, um, you know this the, the reward for fasting, the, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala tells us, comes at two times. It comes in this life when we, when the one when the person breaks their fast, and it comes in the hereafter when they meet Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. But this can be extended to really any sacrifice that you make uh, for the sake of Allah, where you where you put what Allah loves over what you love, and any time you make that sacrifice, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala rewards greatly for that. In fact, one of the people uh who are shaded in the in the shade of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when there is no other shade is one is the one who is tempted towards the haram or having a haram relationship and doesn't um give in to that because of fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this this is specifically one of those people who are given this this amazing um reward of shade on the day of judgment so we should you know if if it's something that's difficult for us to do we we realize that the more difficult it is that inshallah the higher the reward is and what happens once you make this decision and you make this promise to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now if you are truthful and if you are sincere in that allah will now make your path towards what you have intended easy for you and that's what's amazing about taking this first step towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Allah says uh, in the hadith Qudsi, when, whenever someone takes one step towards Allah, Allah takes 10 steps towards them. And if you come towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala walking, Allah comes towards you with speed. So if you take that first step, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will indeed make it easy for you. InshaAllah, we'll take a short break right now. And when we return, we'll continue and we'll take calls. Assalamu alaikum. This is Yasmin Mujahid and you're listening to Serenity streaming live on One Legacy Radio. So the questions have already started to come in on the chat box and Alhamdulillah, you know, keep them coming. Uh, Inshallah, we'll also be opening up the lines and you can call in at 1-800-955-5548. And the international number is 949-340-9665. So, inshallah, uh, what I'm gonna do now is go ahead and get to the other steps. So we, we began and we discussed the, the internal, um, desire, the wish, the, the sincere and truthfulness, the sincerity and truthfulness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we want to make a change. That there are certain things in our lives that we want to, to turn around. We want to devote our lives, uh, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We want to get closer to Him and become more serious about our deen. And so the first step we said was this, this internal intention and wish, uh, and, and, um, truthfulness and then making a promise to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, the question then comes, and actually this was a question that was asked, um, in the chat box, and it's an excellent question. It's a question of istiqama. Uh, she says that, or he slash she says, istiqama, that's the hardest part in the change process. Please advise on this. And this is a very good point. Istiqama means standing firm. That once we make, you know, we might make a change, but then the problem is and the difficulty is, is remaining firm on that way or on that change. And so, uh, what I want to do right now is talk a little bit about that. And inshallah, we're going to continue, uh, to, to get to that point. But after we, you know, we make that promise to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, now what we have to do is follow through and what we need to understand is that the heart is something that tarnishes like anything uh the prophet sai'un tells us like all things over time it rusts and that there is a polish for everything that rusts and the polish for the heart is the remembrance of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So to begin with, if we're not praying, then what we've done is we are not remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the way that Allah has made mandatory for us. And so we cannot expect our hearts to be clean and not rusted and close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's impossible if we're not praying because we have removed the means by which to get to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and by the means by which to clean one of the means by which to clean the heart of its rust. So, Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, has said that the heart gets rusted by two things, uh, and they are ghafla and and sins, and um, dhunub. Now, ghafla means heedlessness. So, heedlessness is the situation, sometimes, you know, uh, you, you have certain times in your life where maybe... Uh, you know, you are committing a lot of sins. Okay. So there might be some some Muslims, they live a life where, you know, maybe they drink or they're, you know, they do drugs or they, you know, they're clubbing, you know, that whole scene where it's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of masiyah, their life is, uh, they, they commit a lot of these, these sins, which are considered major, major sins. And, you know, maybe like relationships outside of marriage and et cetera. And that's one, one of the ways in which the heart becomes tarnished, in which the heart becomes uh, dirty. And actually the sins themselves create a veil uh, or almost like a wall between the heart and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is the reason why that person cannot feel, doesn't feel close to Allah, doesn't see Allah in their life. They're living their life, but they're completely uh, distant from Allah. And the reason for that distance is the sins themselves. The sins have created that veil. And so the way to remove that veil of the sins is through tawbah, is through repentance. And in order for a repentance to really be accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there are certain qualifications, certain criteria that you have to follow. One of them has to do with remorse. You begin with a sense of remorse. You have to feel bad about the sin. You have to recognize that it is a sin and feel a sense of hurt at the sin and, and pain and remorse. And secondly, you need to stop doing the sin. So, you remember we said that we were gonna make promises to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that I'm going to stop this particular sin, or I'm going to, um, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this change. And so you, you actually make a sincere promise to yourself and to Allah that you will not return, uh, to the sin as well. And so the three parts is the first, the remorse. Second is that you stop the sin. You don't, you don't, you don't make tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and continue to be doing the sin and that's not a sincere tawbah or repentance. And then third, you make the sincere intention not to return to that sin itself. Now, Tawbah then becomes like a cleanser. The Tawbah cleans now the heart from the stain of the sin. And you should never lose hope that, you know, you know, some people might be hearing this and thinking, "Well, well, I have way too many sins, right? My, my heart is too covered with these, you know, the spots of these sins. There's no, there's no hope. You know, there's no use. And that's absolutely untrue that itself, that thought itself is from shaitan because shaitan wants you to feel that way, wants you to feel like there's no hope and you have too many sins and there's no way that you can ever clean your heart of those sins. And, you know, the idea here is that to say that is as if you're believing that your sins are greater than Allah's mercy. And that's impossible because we know Allah's mercy encompasses and is greater than all things. And so you're, there's no amount of sin that could be greater than Allah's mercy. And recently I, I posted a status about this and it's, it's something that, that I think we don't usually realize. Um, but a lot of times people, they feel like they can't go back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because they have a past, you know, like, you know, they did certain things in their past. But you know what? You know who had a greater past than you or me? Umar radiallahu And Umar radiallahu was, I mean, if you think about his past, and basically in his past, he actually was on his way to kill the Prophet Wasallam, And, you know, and and at that time, they used to bury their daughters alive. Okay, so I don't think that, inshallah, any of you have such a past. And yet... And yet this man, Omar, became one of the greatest men to ever walk the earth. And why is that? Because of Tawbah, because of this, this door that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us to come back to Him and completely transform our life and completely transform ourselves. And we have examples of this in our, in our history. And in fact, these are the greatest examples. He was one of the ten people who was promised Jannah. And so, you know, we should never ever let Shaitan deceive us into thinking that it's too late for us or there's too much that we've done in our past because it's impossible. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's door is always open so long as we still live. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we would always repent to him and always come back to him before it really is too late and that, you know, that's once we leave this world. As long as we are still alive, it is never, ever too late. So we said that that one of the first, you know, the first tarnisher of the heart, the first thing that that basically, you know, covers up the heart uh, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is our sins and 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 the the solution to that is tawbah and changing our life and and asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sincerely and repenting but the second the second aspect that covers the heart and tarnishes the heart is something else which is a little more subtle and that is heedlessness uh, ghafla so sometimes we talked about this group of people who are like um you know like they're considered like living like the bad life right they're they clubbing they're clubbing they're drinking they're this you know they're living in 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 so much sin and we can look at those people and right and a lot of times people look at them and judge them and see them as being really really bad muslims right but there's another group which are engulfed in something called ghafla and ghafla means heedlessness now they may not be clubbing they may not be drinking they may not be doing drugs but their entire life revolves around Um, what are they wearing? Uh, how much money do they have? How big is their house? Um, you know, who, which dinner party are they going to? What did this person say about them? What did that person do? Their entire life is revolved around dunya. And, and this state, um, it's, even though they're not committing these other big sins, this state that they're in, they are, they may be just as far away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as those who are committing the sins. Because their entire life, they don't remember Allah. All they, all their concern is, is this life. Everything that's happening in this life. And so that state of ghafla is also a state where you are distant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even though you don't recognize it maybe as much, you know, people won't look at that person and say, oh wow, you know, they're so lost. Even though really they are so lost, that, that, that state of being you know, um, consumed with just what am I doing? You know, what, you know, just everything that's happening in, in dunya, like my job, my money, my car, my status, um, the people in my life, what are they saying? What are they thinking? What am, you know, these are the things that consume us. Then we are, we are just as distant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so that also tarnishes the heart and keeps the heart far away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what is the cure to that is the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remembrance so basically the two you know sort of the two diseases or two causes of of harm to the heart are the sins and heedlessness or ghafla and the two cures are therefore tawbah repentance turning back to Allah moving away from the sin leaving the sin and secondly the the, the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the cure for ghafla um, or or um you know, the cure for f- and remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the cure for that heedlessness, uh, which makes us distant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, inshallah, we're still, you know, looking for you to call in. Uh, you, you know, w- basically what we're looking for here is we want to hear your stories, your reflections, your questions. You know, what are some of, you know, maybe some of you know, uh, you know, other people who have gone through this transformation, or maybe you yourself have gone through this transformation and you have a story that could benefit us and and you'd want to share so the other part now has to do with istiqama. So in the example that we're talking about here is transformation. Now, I want to give you guys a metaphor because I really like metaphors. And um, the idea here is if you think about a wound, uh, so suppose you have a wound on your body and you want to treat that wound. What is the first step in treating that wound? Well, is realizing that you have it and making the intention to clean it and to cure it. So that's the first step. And we talked about that internal intention. Secondly, you're going to go and clean that wound. You're going to take antibiotic cream or whatever, and you're going to clean it. And that cleaning process is like the Tawbah. That cleaning process is when you're going back to Allah, you're crying, you're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive you. You're making the intention never to go back to the sin that you sacrifice whatever it is. Even if your nafs loves something, you sacrifice it for the sake of Allah and Allah replaces it with something better. Now, that cleaning process is is extremely important. But now what happens if you leave that wound open? So you cleaned the wound, and now it's open. So what's going to happen over time? And this gets to the question um, in that came from the chat box, which is about istiqama. Now, if you leave that wound open, what's going to happen is it's going to get reinfected. You're going to get more you know, bacteria that's going to get into that wound. So now we have to get talk about how do we keep the wound clean how do we keep it from getting reinfected how do we keep ourselves from going back to that old life that we that we're trying to change and get away from and really the answer is that it has to be a constant process of mujahada of this struggling and part of that struggle is Actually, constant Tawbah, that you're constantly looking back, going back to Allah, seeking His forgiveness, and refocusing your life on Him. But there are other things that actually contribute to this reinfection, and they're what what I'll call poisons of the heart. So there are poisons that that we surround ourselves with that are actually infecting our heart. And so what we need to do is realize what are those poisons. And block off those poisons. So that once we clean the wound, it stays clean. Now, one of the poisons of the heart is, is what we're looking at. Our eyes, um, unrestrained glances. Basically, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran to lower our gaze, there's a reason for it. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, whatever Allah commands, and Allah here is, is commanding it in the Quran. In His words, and He is commanding both the women and the men specifically. You know, sometimes he just addresses, you know, he, mankind in general. Sometimes he adri- addresses the believers in general. But in this case, he specifies believing women and believing men. It is it is very emphasized that they should lower their gaze. What does this mean? It means that whatever goes into my eyes, whatever I look at, goes straight to my heart and it, and it imprints on my heart. So if I am constantly looking at what I'm not supposed to be looking at, if I am constantly looking at the haram, at what is prohibited for me to look at, whether I'm checking someone out or I'm looking at things that I'm not supposed to be seeing, that that is actually pouring dirt into my heart. We don't realize it. We think we, you know, you know we're just looking at it. Oh, you know, it's no big deal, but we don't understand the connection between what we see and, and the condition of our heart. And there is a direct pathway. So if we want to guard our heart, to protect our heart once we've cleaned it, and to keep it clean, we have to guard our eyes. Our eyes will, will, will affect the condition of our heart. And in the same way, our ears. That's the other pathway to our heart. What we listen to, what we hear of whatever we're listening to and hearing is also imprinting on our heart. So if we're listening to garbage, if we're listening to, um, you know, people who are putting down women or putting down uh you know like talking about religion in a in a mocking way and this is like what we're listening to and this is what we're hearing what we're ingesting that's also putting poison into our hearts and it affects the the condition of our hearts and the other pathway is our tongue what we are speaking what we are saying also has a direct impact on the condition of our hearts and so all of these things are things that we need to lock off we need to to keep track of if we want to prevent that poison from pouring into the heart itself. The second poison of the heart that I want us to be aware of is bad company that the people in our lives, the company that we keep can also be a poison for the heart. So if we want to take this path and we want to transform, we want to, you know, this is a very important part of that path is that we have to make sure and keep who it is that we are keeping in our company, who our friends are, who is it that we spend time with. Because the company itself is also a poison of the heart if it's bad. And there is actually an ayah in the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that on the day of judgment, the people of hellfire will say that they wish, oh, that I had not taken so-and-so as a friend. That this is one of the things that we are going to wish, that we're, you know, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us from this, but this is something that some people will wish on the day of judgment, that they had not, and this is, this is specified specifically in the Quran, that they had not taken so-and-so person as a friend. Because that, Your company, your friends, your companions, they affect you. And they affect the condition of your heart. And they will either, you know, help you towards Jannah or help you towards Jahannam wa'udhu billah. So keeping track of who, you know, and if it means, and sometimes what happens when people start to change, people start to try to improve themselves, um, their old, their old crowd will actually naturally start to sort of pull away. And usually the first response to this is a little bit of hurt because, you know, we love our friends and we're, you know, we had a good time with them and we're close to them. Maybe we've known them since we were kids. And so that the first reaction is we feel kind of upset about this. But what we, if we were to take a step back, this may be a protection from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The fact that, that our company is changing, it may be part of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's protection that, you know, if you think about that wound, you cleaned it, now you need to let it heal and you need to keep it clean. What do you do? You cover it with a band-aid and you or you know, so you so that you're not letting that poison come back into it. And sometimes when Allah takes certain people out of our life, it may be a protection from us because those people were not good for us. Uh, that company was not was not good for you know for our for the condition of our heart or for our Iman and our path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when it comes to istikama uh, the, those are the two, you know, the two poisons that we want to avoid uh, are the, you know, the, the the pathways to the heart, guarding the eyes, guarding the ears, guarding the tongue, and then the company that we keep and then remembering that this has to be a constant process. We can't expect that we're going to, you know, we're just going to go full force in this. You know, project spirituality, right? We're gonna go full force, um, and then just like let it, and it's just gonna take care of itself after that. You know, when we're working out, we don't go full force and spend the day at the gym and then not work out for another like six months. And that, that, that's not something that's going to be effective, um, when it comes to the condition of our body. Similarly, when we're trying to transform ourselves and our our hearts and our souls we can't just have this this push and this this high and then just let it go Because this is a constant struggle. It's something that we have to keep up. And you know, when someone wants to get into shape, they know about this. They know that it's something they constantly have to struggle. They go to the gym regularly. They lift weights regularly. This is something that they'll do for the sake of their body. But we are so lazy to do this for the sake of what matters more, which is the sake of our hearts and our souls. And so that to to take care of these things, we have to remember that it will be a struggle and it will not just be be, uh, something that we do once, we have to consistently be remembering Allah, and we have to consistently being be um, asking for forgiveness and 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 making tawbah and going back to Allah subhanahu wa taala. In the same way that we consistently feed our bodies, otherwise we starve. And in the same way that we know that um, you know, if you take. Uh, if you take water away for an extended period of time, you will dehydrate and you will eventually die. And if you take the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala away from the, from the heart, it also will dehydrate and die. And that's what we want to, you know, protect ourselves from. Inshallah, I'm gonna go ahead and take a short break. I ask you, inshallah, to go ahead and call in and give us your, uh, reflections and your own experiences. Um, and also you can write us in the chat, in the chat box. Assalamu alaikum. This is Yasmin Mujahid, and you're listening to Serenity, streaming live on One Legacy Radio. And we are speaking today about transformation. How does it happen? How do we maintain it? Um, and, you know, what are the steps that we can take? And right now, we have some questions in the chat box that I want to cover, some really, really great questions. Uh, one of them I read says, What if I feel like my heart is too rusted to be cleaned? I know I am doing major sins and cannot clean them. How can I repent? I do not feel any close to Allah. I do not know how to repent. I do not know how to repent, how to feel I am guilty. So this is the sense that I was sort of talking about earlier. It's that feeling of it's just I've done too many bad things. I can't go back to Allah. I can't repent. And this is again, this is a waswasa. This is a whispering from shaitan himself because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy is greater than your sins. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy is greater than your sins. That's what we have to remember. When we minimize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy, that's when we feel this way. We have to understand that Allah's mercy is infinite. And your sins are finite. Your sins are limited. There's, a, there is, it's not infinite. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, although you might feel like there's so many, Um, They still are not greater than the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah himself tells us in the Hadith Qudsi that even if your sins were to fill, you know, to to reach the sky and fill the area between the heavens and the earth, and you were to come to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sincerely and, and this is very important, associating no partners with him, that he would give you back forgiveness as big as the sins, as big as that area, right? That we talk between the heavens and the earth. And that, and every time that we do that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if we are sincere, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not get tired of forgiving. Remember that Allah is not like a human being. This is one of our major problems is we don't really understand who Allah is, what Allah is. And we tend to you know, use the rules that work with humans with Allah. And this is a problem because Allah is not like a human. A human being gets tired of forgiving. You know, I can wrong I can wrong a person only so many times and keep saying sorry, keep saying sorry. And then I do the same thing again. I do the same thing again. You know, like I can hit your car only so many times and say sorry before you're like, I'm not going to forgive you anymore. You need to stop, right? So the idea here is that Allah isn't like that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala... No matter, we could commit the same sin over and over and over. And as long as we are sincere and we return back to Him, Allah does not get tired of forgiving. Allah is not like a human being. There's nothing like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's nothing like His mercy and his forgiveness so we should never think that and again remember that that thought itself is from shaitan say A'udhu billahi bin and look away from your sins and look instead at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy and focus instead on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy and when you do that you will find that your sins are still less than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy so you know, one of the beautiful statements uh, is of, of one of the predecessors is that I looked at my sins and I found them to be so many. But then I looked at the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa taala and I looked at and I found it to be greater. And that's the point: is no matter how big our sins are, Allah's mercy is always greater. The other thing is that when you repent to Allah, you know you 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 make you you ask Allah subhanahu wa taala to forgive you to clean your heart. But you have to make sure that you are, you know, doing, you know, again, I want to emphasize because if you're doing this and you're not praying, you're not praying or you're not praying on time, then what you're doing is, is you are, this is, this is a commandment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's, it's an appointment that that we have with Allah and we are, we are missing that appointment every single day. If we are missing that appointment and then we say, but we want to get close to Allah that it doesn't work you can't you can't say that i'm going to you know you know if you want to have a relationship with someone and they have set an appointment with you uh, and every single time they set the appointment, you don't go, you don't show up, or you show up late. Uh, you know, you're not, you're probably not going to be very convincing in your desire for a relationship with that person. Uh, you have to be keeping that appointment to show that you want to get closer to Allah. And that is the pathway Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made it the first step. And it is the first thing that you're asked about on the day of judgment. And in fact, It is what distinguishes a Muslim from a non-Muslim. So this is extremely important. When we talk about, we can talk about all different acts... Acts of worship, we can talk about all different types of sin. But when it comes to the salah, this is a different level. This is the thing that distinguishes as the Prophet said in the hadith, Sahih hadith, this is what distinguishes a Muslim from a non Muslim. So you have to begin with the salah if you want to make any kind of real change, if you if you want to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second question uh, that I wanted to cover from the chat box is what do you do when you have no one who shares the same views as you, who wants to make the change like you? Is it better to be alone than with bad company? This is a really important question and I'm glad it was brought up because I would say it absolutely is better to be alone than with bad company. And sometimes it is in the times when you are alone that you are closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in fact, even if you have good company, this is, I want to stress this, even if you have good company, it does not substitute for the time alone with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everyone needs, if you want to get, if you really want to build your relationship with Him, everyone needs that time alone with Allah. And this sometimes happens in the last third of the night, in qiyam, in, in whatever time it is, after fajr, that you have a time where uh, even if it's after even if it's after salah and you're just making dua, you have time alone, you're reading Quran that that time cannot be replaced, even if you have the best of company, even in even if 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 you're surrounded with who are teaching you, it still cannot replace that time alone with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and I can't emphasize that enough so with regards to having bad company and it, and it may be that this is Allah is doing this for a reason and it may be part of your training that you need to be alone for a while and that you don't have uh, the good company and therefore you will have to be um, on your own for a while and sometimes this becomes a blessing really uh, because what it does is sometimes it builds your relationship with Allah even faster and stronger than if you did have company well, Allah Ta'ala Alam. You Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make it easy for you and to guide you to that which He which pleases Him most. Um, but for sure you want to avoid the bad company um, and definitely it is better to be alone than with bad company. Uh, and then the other question uh, that I got here uh, on the chat box is I have a question. Um, what if you are emotionally attached to someone? How can you change that? Uh, How can you let go of that person if you're not with them, but keep thinking of them? Well, this is uh, a topic in and of itself um, when it comes to attachments and and emotional attachments to people. It's also something that I write about a lot. So, um, you know, if you check out my website, YasmeenMujahid.com, I have a lot of articles that talk about this exact issue, the issue of attachment and specifically to people. Uh, the, the problem with these attachments is that, uh, when you become so attached to a person in this way, and it's all you think about, what's actually happened is that there's a place in your heart, there's a, there's a spot in your heart that is supposed to be, uh, reserved for Allah, and you have instead put something else there. And what I mean by that is that it is Allah subhanahu wa taala that should be the first thing on my mind when I wake up, and it's Allah subhanahu wa taala that should be what I think about when I am praying, and it's Allah subhanahu wa taala that should be the last thing I think about before I sleep. What keeps me up at night? What makes me most happy? What makes me um, what 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 um, what I most um, you know what I what I hope for most? All of these things are supposed to be reserved for Him. But what happens when, when we put something else or someone else in that position in our heart is now we've given those rights that belong to Allah to someone else. So now instead of thinking about Allah first thing in the morning, we think about this person. Instead of worrying about what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala think of me or how is it, how does Allah view me? I'm worried about how does this person view me um you know even in my salah instead of thinking about uh you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is this being accepted you know trying to focus on Allah in the salah instead I'm thinking about this person and these are all signs that there is a false and a very unhealthy attachment uh, that must be broken and what happens is you know that that attachment itself actually serves as a veil between you and Allah. And in the same way that we talked about sins, and we talked about ghafla, this is also another, and because this is a topic in and of itself, um, I didn't get into it, but attachments to things other than Allah in this way also serve as veils um, between you and Allah. And, be, and the reason is, that you are, your heart, instead of facing Allah, is facing something else. And that other thing is what's really most important to you and what really you can't live without. And the way that you really get at these attachments, and that's why I mentioned these questions. Some of the ways you get at these attachments is by asking yourself, what is it that keeps me up at night? What is it that I think about most? Um, What is the first thing I think about when I wake up in the morning? And if that whatever that thing is, um, you know, what are some other questions? What is the thing that makes me most upset, most angry, most sad, most happy? The things that can control our emotions in this way. Our pointer, those are the things that really we are attached to. And usually it's one thing or something related to one thing. And what you will find is that thing that you have put at that position, which only belongs to Allah, will soon turn into um, your greatest source of grief, your greatest source of pain, your greatest source of suffering. That thing will actually end up hurting you and causing you the most pain. And the reason for that is that you have put something in a position that it was never meant to be in and it's a position that only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should hold in your hearts and in your life. But inshallah... Again, I talk about this more in detail um, in my articles on the website yasminmujahid.com uh, and and it's something that, you know, it's, it's a process and you learn uh, through time and actually you will learn whenever you do put something at that position, uh, you will learn through experience that it will cause you a lot of pain uh, and it's because it's not the heart wasn't created in this way. The heart was created to have only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to hold that type of position and anytime we put something else, another person or money or our careers or status, uh, those things will actually end up causing us a lot of pain, uh, because it's, you're putting something somewhere that it doesn't belong. And I'm in, um, actually inshallah working on um, an article right now about this revolving around this ayah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala warns us of doing this. Um, and in this ayah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that not to call, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala warns us in this ayah not to call on any other ilah other than Allah. And in the end of the ayah it says that if you do that you will be among the tormented. لا مع الله ilahan آخر and, and, and when he, he warns us that when you call on an ilah other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you will be among the mu'adhabeen. And that is a sort of torment that we really feel in this life even before the next. And the, the idea here is that an ilah is more than just something you pray to. Um, when you go and you actually study the root of the word ilah, um, it gets at a very, um, a deep meaning of actually a refuge a shelter um the thing that you go to um, when you're most in need uh it's it's basically the thing you feel so strongly for uh it's it's a lot of these these this meaning of of basically the description of of how you you know how you see being in love in the media and um, you know in in novels usually what is happening is this person is is taking another person as their ilah in some sort and when you do that it causes a, a lot of torment and so we ask Allah subhanahu wa taala that he be our only ilah and that he be the you know that have that level in our heart. Um, unlike anything else, and that we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make it easy for us to transform our lives and to get closer to Him. Aquli qawli hadha wa astaghfirullah li wa lakum inna ghafoorun raheem wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.